Welcome back, listeners, to Sandman Stories Presents, a folklore podcast where I read you to sleep or until the next story. I'm your host, Dustin. Today, in episode 215, we're in the book of Philippine folklore written down by Mary Cook Cole. In the first story, the son is tired of doing his chores and has a bird brain idea. Luckily, he finds someone he can chew betel nut with. And in the second story, birds aren't always what they seem. So if they ask to help you harvest rice, you'd better let them. Okay, let's begin. Story 1. The Story of Kanag by the Tinguian people. When the rice had grown tall and it was near time for it to ripen, Aponitalao and Aponibolanayan grew fearful lest the wild pigs should break in and destroy all of the crop. So they sent their son Kanag to the field to guard the grain. Kanag willingly went to the place, but when he found that the fences were all so strong so that the pigs could not get in, and all he was left to do with was nothing, life in the little watch house grew lonely, and the boy became very unhappy. Each day, Aponitalao carried cooked rice and meat to his son in the field, but Kanag could not eat and always begged his father to hang it in the watch house until he wanted it. Each time, Aponitalao found the food of the day before still untouched, and he began to suspect that the boy was unhappy at having to guard the grain. But he said nothing of his fears to Ponybol and Ion. One day, after his father had returned home, Kanag was so lonely that he used his magical power and became a little bird and flew up to the top of a tree. The next day, when Ponytalao came to the field, he looked everywhere for his son, and when he could not find him, he called, and from the top of the bamboo tree, a little bird answered him. Realizing what had happened, the father was very sad and begged his son to come back and be a boy again. But Kanag only answered, I would rather be a bird and carry the messages of the spirits to the people. At last the father went home alone, and he and the boy's mother were filled with grief that they had lost their son. Sometime after this, Aponitalao prepared to go out to fight. He took his spear and shield and axe and started early one morning. But when he reached the gate of the town, Kanag flew over him, giving him a bad sign. So he turned back. The next morning he started again, and this time the little bird gave him a good sign, and knowing that nothing would injure him, he went on. After a long journey, he reached a hostile town, where the people said that they were glad to see him, and added that because he was the first of his people who had dared to enter their town, they intended to keep him there. Oh, said Aponitalao, if you say that I cannot return home, call all your people together, and we will fight. You are very brave, answered his enemies, if you wish to fight us all. And when the people had gathered together, they laughed at him and said, Why, one of our fingers could fight you. Nevertheless, Aponitalao prepared to fight, and when the bravest of the enemy threw his spear and axe at him, he jumped and escaped. They noticed that he jumped very high, so they all ran at him, throwing their spears and trying to kill him. But Aponitalao caught all their weapons, and then, while they were unarmed, he threw his own spear, and it flew about among them until it had killed them all. Then he sent his axe, and it cut off all the heads of the enemy. And so he used magical power, so that these heads went to his home in Kadayalayapan. After that, Aponitalao sat down by the gate of the town to rest, and the little bird flying over his head called down, 
The sign I gave you was good, father, and you have killed all your enemies. Yes, said the man, and as he started on the homeward journey, the little bird always flew near him. When he reached home, he stuck the heads around the town and commanded the people to go out all over the world and invite everyone, especially the pretty girls, to come to a party in the celebration of his victory. The people came from all parts of the world, and while they played on the gongs and danced, Aponitalao called to Kanag and said, Come down, my son. Do not stay always at the tops of the trees. Come and see the pretty girls, and see which one you want to marry. Get the golden cup, and give them Bazi to drink. But Kanag answered, I would rather stay in the tops of the trees, and give the signs when anyone goes to fight. Then the father and mother pleaded with him once more to become a boy, begging his forgiveness and promising never to send him to guard the rice. But he would not listen to them, and only flew away. Finding that they could not win him that way, Aponi Talao and Aponi Bolanayan called the spirit servants and commanded them to follow Kanag wherever he went, and to find a girl whom he would want to marry. So the spirit servants went after him, and wherever he went they followed. By and by they stopped near a well, and there the spirit servants used magic so that all the pretty girls nearby felt very hot, and in the early morning they all came to the well to bathe. One among them was so beautiful that she looked like the flame of fire among the betel nut blossoms. And when the servants saw her washing her hair, they ran to Kanag and begged him to come and see her. At first he would not listen to them, but after a while he flew to the top of a betel nut tree nearby, and when he caught sight of her, he flew to the tree above her head. But, he said to the servants, what can I do if I become a man now? for I have no clothes and no headband. Do not worry about that, said the spirit servants, for we have everything here for you. So Kanag became a man and put on clothes and the headband, and he went to speak to the girl. He gave her betel nut, and they chewed together, and he said, My name is Kanag, and I am the son of Aponi Talao and Aponi Bolanayan. Then the girl said, My name is Depilasan, and I am the daughter of Bangan, and Dalangan. When Dupilasan went home, Kanag followed her, and he told her parents his name and how he changed into a little bird. And when he had finished, he asked if he might marry their daughter. Bangan and his wife were greatly pleased that Kanag wanted Dupilasan for his wife, but they were afraid that his parents might object, so they sent a messenger to invite Aponi Talao and Aponi Bolanayan to come visit them. As soon as Kanag's parents heard that their son had become a man, they were very happy and started at once to go to him, carrying many fine presents. Before arrangements for the wedding could be made, it was necessary to decide on the price to be paid for the girl. A long discussion took place. Pangan and Dalonagan finally said that the spirit house must be filled nine times with different kinds of jars. When this was done, Dalonagan raised her eyebrows, and half of the jars disappeared. Aponibolanayan used her magic power, and the spirit house was filled again. And then Dalonagan said to her, Now the web of the spider shall be put around the town, and you must put gold beads on it. If it does not break, Kanag may marry to Pilasan. When Aponibolanayan had put the gold beads on the thread, Dalonagan hung on it to see if it would hold. As it did not break, she declared that the sign was good, and Kanag and Dipilasan were married.
Then the people played on the copper gongs and danced and made merry for a long time. And when they returned to their homes, Kanag and his bride went with the pony to Lao and a pony bowl and iron. The end. Okay, and story number two, also by the Tingyuan people. The story of the Tiki. Tiki, 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 we will come to work for you. Let us cut your rice. Ligi had gone down to the field to look at his growing rice. But when he heard this sound, he looked up and was surprised to see the birds circling above him and calling to him. Why? You cannot cut rice, said Ligi. You are birds and know only how to fly. But the birds insisted that they knew how to cut rice. So finally he told them to come again when the grain was ripe, and they flew away. No sooner had the birds gone than Ligi was filled with a great desire to see them again. As he went home, he wished over and over that his rice was ready to cut. As soon as Ligi left the field, the Tiki birds began using magic so that the rice grew rapidly, and five days later when he returned, he found the birds were ready to cut the ripened grain. Ligi showed them where to begin cutting, and then he left them. When he was out of sight, the Tiki said to the rice cutters, Rice cutters, you cut the rice alone. And to the bands which were laying nearby, they said, Bands, you tie into bundles the rice which the cutters cut and the rice cutters and the bands worked alone, doing as they were told. When Ligi again went to the field in the afternoon, the Tiki said, Come, Ligi, and see what we have done, for we want to go home now. Ligi was amazed, for he saw five hundred bundles of rice cut, and he said, Oh, Tiki, take all the rice you wish in payment, for I am very grateful to you. Then the Tiki each took one head of rice, saying it was all they could carry, they flew away. The next morning when Ligi reached the field, he found the birds already there and he said, Now, Tiki, cut the rice as fast as you can, for when it is finished, I will make a ceremony for the spirits, and you must come. Yes, replied the Tiki, and now we shall begin with the work, but you need not stay here. So Ligi went home and built a rice granary to hold his grain, and when he returned to the field, the rice was all cut. Then the Tiki said, We have cut all your rice, Ligi, so give us our pay, and when you go home, the rice will all be in your granary. Ligi wondered about this. When he reached home, he saw that the granary was full of rice. He doubted that the Tiki could be real birds. Not long after this, Ligi invited all his relatives from different towns to help him make a ceremony for the spirits. As soon as the people arrived, the Tiki came also and they flew over the people's heads and made them drink bazi until they were drunk. Then they said to Ligi, We are going home now. It is not good for us to stay here, for we cannot sit among the people. When they started home, Ligi followed them until he came to the Bana Asi tree. And here he saw them take off their feathers and put them in the rice granary. Then suddenly they became one beautiful maiden. 
Are you not the tiki who came to cut my rice? asked Ligi. You look like a beautiful maiden to me. Yes, she said. I became tiki and cut rice for you, for otherwise you would not have found me. Ligi took her back to his house where the people were making the ceremony, and as soon as they saw her, they began chewing the magic betel nuts to find out who she might be. The quid of Ibang and her husband and that of the tiki went together. So they knew that she was the daughter who had disappeared from their house one day long, long ago, while they were in the fields. In answer to their many questions, she told them that she had been in the Banaasi tree, where Kabonian had carried her, until the day that she changed herself into the tiki birds and went to the field of Ligi. Ligi was very fond of the beautiful girl, and he asked her parents if he might marry her. They were very willing and decided on a price he should pay. After the wedding, all the people remained at his house, feasting and dancing for three months. The End Two lovely weddings. It seems to be at the end of a lot of these stories. And I liked how Kanag said, uh, I'd rather just be a bird. And in the second story, I loved how the birds were connected to the pretty woman who helped Ligi. And as always, I enjoyed these stories. Especially it was nice to get a couple of uh, happily ever after stories. Okay, and the podcast shout out. Afriwetu. One of my absolute favorite podcasts. It's a great podcast. If you want to know about pre-colonial history in Africa, it's the show to listen to. It's hosted by Mona, and it goes over history and folk tales. She brings a love of the continent and of the people. She's always trying her best to pronounce words and people's names in different cultures. I do believe she's based in Kenya, but when she tells a Zulu tale, when she tells a Yoruba tale, you know, she goes through and really tries her best to... to pronounce these words in, in foreign languages which does a great job and she also has fantastic sound production oh the soundscapes are beautiful I'd, I'd like to if i had money i would hire her people and if you like her show as much as i do like subscribe and leave her a five-star rating and the listener shout out is to sydney which accounts for 18 percent of my aussie listeners Sydney, the capital of New South Wales and one of Australia's largest cities, is best known for its harbourfront Sydney Opera House with a distinctive sail-like design. Massive Darling Harbour and the smaller circular Key Port are hubs of the waterside life, with the arched harbour bridge and esteemed Royal Botanical Garden nearby. Sydney's tower outdoor platform, the Skywalk, offers a 360 view of the city and suburbs. And that was all from the Google blurb because I was sick for a few days and have not done as much research as I should. So thank you, Google, for that. And so I say to my listeners in Sydney, thank you and good night.